Today we're exploring a very timely subject. It's been in the media a lot in the last year, and that is, are you a U.S. citizen living abroad? And what is your obligation to the IRS in tax filing, both annually and in your estate? A welcome guest of our program, Carol Fitzsimmons from Hodgson Russ, is joining us today. And I wanted to start back, Carol, as we were exploring how to go about filing your income tax with the IRS each year as a U.S. citizen. What you forecast or what you're seeing as a professional in this field in consequences, are they expected consequences, unexpected consequences, and what are your thoughts about that? Sherry, we have been talking about people who decided to come forward for prior periods who had not been filing for those prior periods. And one of the things that we're finding, to our surprise and other practitioners in the area have, have also found this, we're not getting a lot of consistency from the IRS in terms of how they may apply various penalties, notwithstanding they have this official program, the first of which ended in September, now there's another one. There's a number of areas that's very unclear, and for example, the IRS has not indicated for certain whether or not it will impose penalties on uh, Canadians who are U.S. citizens who have RRSPs but who did not make a special election under the tax treaty to defer the U.S. tax on the RRSPs. If you don't make the election timely, the IRS says you're supposed to go back and and file for relief from them, but there's actually a $14,000 fee to get the ruling from the IRS that you're allowed to make the late election. That's money that just goes to the IRS. That's not the fee for your advisors to put together the application and the rest of it. Also, there's a question of whether people are going to face penalties on the balances in their RRSPs because these voluntary disclosure programs have focused on imposing penalties on the balances in unreported accounts, not just on income that may have been earned that wasn't reported. I mean, we had a client, for example, who had a $2 million liability to the IRS for just income taxes owed for prior periods. He has gone into the program. He's written the $2 million check to the IRS, and he's waiting to find out whether he may owe several hundred thousand dollars more if the IRS decides that they should be taxing his his RRSPs as well. And I think we are obviously concerned about the annual taxation in our U.S. citizens living in Canada. But there's a bigger picture as well that I definitely want to explore today, Carol, and that is what about U.S. estate tax? Just because I live in Canada doesn't mean I circumvent that. The U.S. has a system of gift and estate taxes. Sometimes we call it a transfer tax system, and it operates very differently than your Canadian tax system does. So just like with respect to income earned by a U.S. citizen, when a U.S. citizen dies, his or her estate and all of the assets in it, as determined under U.S. rules, is subject to U.S. estate tax exposure. The estate tax applies if the value of property is in excess of a certain amount, what we'll call the exemption amount. The estate tax then applies on the value of that property that's in excess of the exemption. For people dying this year who are U.S. citizens, there's a $5 million exemption from a state tax before there'd be any liability, and the top rate is 35%. Now, 35% may sound like a lot for Canadians, but that's the lowest we've ever had in a state tax rate. The problem is that next, actually on January 1st, we're scheduled to have the exemption decrease to a million dollars only, and the top rate of a state tax, which you hit pretty quickly, would be 55%. And again, that's on the value of the property, not appreciation like your system in Canada at death. 
So it can be a very big hit. So Carol, if I'm a U.S. citizen and I have a $2 million estate starting in the year 2013, I'm looking at at least a $550,000 tax burden. Yes, if that's what the law stays as is planned, that would be right. Now, is there any forecasting about what the laws may or may not be? Well, the irony in the U.S. is that both the Democrats and the Republicans think going to a million-dollar exemption is ludicrous. Um, <laughs> and so it seems like our, our politicians actually want a higher exemption, and whether it's $3 million or $5 million, but, you know, some number in that range. However, as I'm sure many of your listeners have, have seen, you know, and read in your newspapers and heard on TV, our politicians can't seem to agree on anything. So, unfortunately, unless there is some congressional action taken this year, which seems highly unlikely to all of us at this point, then the million-dollar exemption is going to go into effect. The 55% rate will go into effect. And possibly... Over the next few months then, after our election into 2013, maybe there will be a fix where the exemption increases and the rate goes down a little bit. But for now, we just there's this continued uncertainty. And I think the most important point is, given the uncertainty, it's very important for U.S. citizens to plan and to think about whether there are ways for them to minimize their U.S. estate tax exposure. Now, that being said, obviously, one of the strategies that most Canadians would utilize is a nice income division of assets so that there's a nice income split that would occur during retirement years. But the issue with that, Carol, of course, is if I'm the American citizen, I'm really causing myself as a family a U.S. estate tax. And it's interesting with couples because, you know, every so often we'll come across two U.S. citizens married to each other in Canada, but most of the situations are a married couple, one is a U.S. citizen, the other is not a U.S. citizen. And in that situation, if you can arrange it without causing a gift tax issue, which I can touch on in a little bit more detail in a moment, it's best for the U.S. citizen to have as few assets and as little income in, in his or her name as possible so that, you know, in the ideal situation, and for really wealthy people this isn't going to necessarily work, but in the ideal situation the U.S. person has the exemption amount or something less than the exemption amount in his or her name. And then it's possible to design the will of the non-citizen, the non-U.S. citizen spouse, so that if that spouse dies first, you don't build the estate back up of the surviving U.S. citizen. And you can really, if you structure the wills right, if you structure the ownership of the assets correctly, you can avoid or at least you can mitigate the U.S. estate tax exposure. Now, we're very fortunate, Carol, because there is opportunity there for planning. And I wouldn't mind if you just expand for a moment on something called the QDOT, because that is obviously a tool many times for our dual families. The QDOT is a mechanism to get a married couple, like I just described, the ability to defer the U.S. estate tax until the second spouse dies, just as you in Canada want to defer your Canadian tax at death until the the surviving spouse dies. And it's important for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, you don't want to pay it when the first spouse has gone because there's a survivor who needs to live. And secondly, you want both the Canadian timing of taxation and the U.S. timing of taxation to be the same so you can use credits. And what the QDOT does is it allows if the U.S. citizen dies first, a trust to be set up for the survivor who's not the U.S. citizen, and no U.S. estate tax will arise until the survivor dies, generally speaking. The issue with the QDOT is it is a vehicle that requires certain formalities to be followed. 
there needs to be a U.S. trustee. There may need to be posting of security. So it may not be the ideal in every situation. What we try to do is have as much flexibility in the wills as possible. So it's an election that is made, and the executor can either make that election or sometimes it's also possible to eliminate a state tax if the U.S. citizen spouse dies first because there's a special credit for married couples under the treaty. And that can double that exemption amount. So this year, with an exemption of $5 million, if the U.S. citizen dies first and leaves the assets to the survivor, can actually exclude $10 million from U.S. taxation. That's a very nice high number. Again, that's going to go to $2 million with the marital credit, unfortunately, in 2013. Now, another opportunity I know we have is some gifting, and we want to explore that with you as well, Carol. This year in particular, Sherry, there is a real opportunity that may never happen again, or at least not in the near future. Because our estate tax exemption is so high, our gift tax exemption is so high, too. We do have a gift tax system because otherwise the U.S. citizen, in our example, could just give away all of his assets before he dies, and then there'd be no U.S. estate tax. To prevent that, of course, there's, there's gift tax rules. And the gift tax exemption this year is $5 million as well. So particularly for, for couples who have significant assets like that, using some or all of that gift tax exemption for the U.S. citizen spouse to make a gift to the non-U.S. citizen spouse, oftentimes it can be done in a trust so that the, the money stays protected for other reasons as well, practical reasons. That is a great planning opportunity because when our exemption goes down, as it almost certainly will, at least for some period of time on the estate tax, you will have moved you know, a significant amount of assets out from the U.S. estate tax system and the appreciation on those assets as well by making a gift like that. But timing is so important then. Absolutely. This gift tax opportunity is going to expire at the end of 2012, and you know we're getting on into the year, and it's important that people start considering their options. Well, we want to thank Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been very insightful. I'm Sherry McMillan. This is The Strong Room.